G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Pocket Podcast Series. Today we are looking at Geelong and to help me break them down for us is Foz. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. How are you? Not too bad. So just to refresh our memories, we have the locks, the knocks, the bolters, the breakouts, the rookies, the traps, and the passes. Sometimes the headings do overlap, but hopefully our explanations mean more than the headings each player falls under. So we'll start with the locks, and I'll go to you, Foz. Who is your lock? Uh, He's the model of consistency. Uh, It's exactly who you want in the back line. It's Tom Stewart. Uh, Averaged 101 uh, points last season. uh, 100.1, sorry. Um, But he also had an injury-affected 18 in there. Um, So if you take out that injury-affected 18, where I think it was a broken collarbone from memory, he only had the one score under 84 and he had three scores under 100. So he's really got that really nice ceiling, uh, sorry, really nice floor that, you know, scores pretty well most weeks, playing as that sort of intercept role, um, you know, kicking mainly kicking it out of the back line for the, the Cats. Uh, but also, more importantly, five of his 10 tons of the season were over 115. So he can go big. He's got a really high ceiling and it's, it's almost the perfect sort of play. He... You know, scores well most weeks, but then when he goes big, he goes really big. So, one to one to look at in the back line for me. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Tom Stewart because um, he's my lock as well. And without that injury affected score, his average would have been 106.4. So that would have actually put him uh, above Rory Laird as the third highest averaging defender for last season. Pretty good. Yeah, locked into my side at the moment. Uh, we'll move swiftly on because I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about Tom Stewart. Just a consistent. Backman, you know what you're going to get week in, week out. Uh, I'm going to move on to the knocks, and my knock is Patrick Dangerfield. Uh, he's had a groin injury since the grand final, only just got up for the practice match. Usually interrupted preseasons are a no-go for me, a big red flag. And at 611k, I'm happy to let him drop. I'm also happy to let him go off flying as well, because he's someone who, yes, he's got a high ceiling, and yes, he can score quite well, but you don't know what Chris Scott is going to do with him, and Chris Scott likes to use him to plug holes, but but also to create a bit of play at the same time. And you don't want to be caught up in that panic that Chris Scott seems to get sometimes. Uh, I agree. I feel like we're on the same page here because he is my knock as well. Um, you know, still not 100% on his groin. He had to fly to Adelaide to have it looked at. Um, I think it was in January. So it's not too long ago. If you're flying interstate to get someone to to look at anything, really, it's, it's cause for concern. Um, and like you said, he could get off to an absolute flyer, scoring massively, and he'll jump a bit in price. But no one's going to be able to afford a six hundred and fifty seven hundred dollar upgrade to get those points that you're missing out on. So um, I think it's one that when he does eventually dip in price, and it will come at some stage in the season, you can jump on him because he is going to be a top six forward at the end of the season, unless it's uh, he cops suspension or, or injury throughout the year. But at this stage, it's too too much money to spend on a bloke who's not 100%. Um, and so that's why, yeah, I'm definitely not selecting him this year to start. We've been on the same page so far, but I think our bolters is where we'll start to differ. Uh, who's your bolter? Uh, Jeremy Cameron. So I think that if he can return to, you know, even his 2019 form, 2018 form, where he was, you know, a, a pretty dominant goal scorer, um, you know, played a bit higher up the ground, he'll make plenty of cash. Uh, the important thing with the move over to Geelong is that he's going to play that centre-half forward role with Hawkins coming out of the goal square. He's not going to play deep. So it means he's going to be able to collect plenty of the ball. Um, we did see in that sort of 2018-2019 patch where he was one of the best 
key forwards in the comp, he was able to just r- rack up 20, 25 touches a game whilst also kicking three or four goals a week. So it's just a player who's, you know, I think it's $388,000. It's not someone who's super expensive. You're going to be looking at players around that price point anyway. Like why is Jai, Jai Caldwell a better option or why is Jaden Stevenson a better option? Um, they're obviously going to get those midfield minutes, but I think with a move to a different club and playing a slightly different role to the one that he played last season, where he's going to be a little bit higher up the ground, Cameron can offer that um, absolute value. And he's definitely in that sort of best 22, obviously, um, but he's also going to be that sort of number one, number two key forward role. And teams are going to really struggle to match up on both him and Hawkins at the same times. Yeah, his ability to move up the ground means he could spend time playing on the wing for Geelong as as daunting as that sounds, but that would actually increase his scoring rather than hinder it. So he's definitely a good option at 388K in the forward line there. My bolter is a bit different because I've gone for someone who's quite a bit expensive, a bit more expensive in Sam Menegola at 579K, but I've chosen him because I think the new stand rule will suit him. And I reckon he could go past... Um, the likes of Duncan and Guthrie to become the third best supercoach option at Geelong. Um, he averaged 107.8 last season. Obviously, in shorter games, he had a greater influence, arguably should have been the All-Australian winger as well. I think he's going to actually raise his average. I don't think 2020 was a blip on the radar for him. I think he's actually... Moving into his prime a little later than usual, but he was picked up as a mature age recruit, so he hasn't gone through the same rigors as someone picked up as an 18-year-old. But I think he's entering his prime in terms of supercoach and AFL output, and I think he's actually one who could finish as a top 10 to 12 midfielder in uh, 2021. I don't have as high hopes as you do on him, but he's definitely a good pick, and I'd love him in a in a draft league because I reckon he's someone who has the potential to slide down. People don't typically love selecting those wingmans in in a draft league, but yeah, showed us last year how damaging he can be playing that role. So not a terrible selection from you. Do we have the same breakout? I think we do. Jordan Clark. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, good breakout option. I think if like, it, it obviously depends on if he can break into that best twenty-two, and based on all reports, he is. Pretty much there. Um, but if he can lock down that halfback flank or, or wing role, uh, he will score well. He's he's just been um, unable to break into the side. He hasn't had much opportunity at Geelong. So I think that this is probably the year where you should expect him to, to break into that side. And if not, then he's probably not going to be at the club next season. I'd imagine he's probably requested trade just because he's so talented and should be playing AFL-level footy. Yeah, and he had the opportunity to move uh, at the end of last season. The Dockers were very interested in him after the loss of uh, Jesse Hogan. Not obviously a straight swap, but they were interested in him as a as someone to bolster their list. They've been chasing someone to uh, use that wing role for them since the loss of Brad Hill and Ed Langdon. We'll talk about that in another podcast. Um Jordan Clark, though, looks like he'll take the wing position because Blitzarves looks like he'll be locked into a key defensive post after the retirement of Harry Taylor. So that takes him off the wing, takes him out of the ruck. But Jordan Clark looks like he was convinced to stay because there was a spot for him in the best 22 on that wing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably, as you said, a major reason why he stayed is because they probably promised him 
you know, to be in the best 22 and, and hopefully he is there. And if he is at, at 280K or whatever he is, he's yeah, absolute value. Not a lot of rookies um, at the Cats look likely to debut because they've got quite a stacked lineup at the moment. Who have you got down as your best rookie chant? It's weird because they don't really have many rookies, as you said. They just seem to trade them out for 30-year-olds. Um, but Sam DeConing is the only one I could really think of apart from yours. Uh mainly because he might get a couple of games of development this season, but he's not really one that I'd start with unless there was just a, a plethora of uh, key defensive injuries at Geelong this coming season. Like if Tom Stewart you know, got busted his arm and then um, Mike Blitzarves, you know, did his knee or whatever, then he might have a chance. But really, it's, it's one where Geelong are clearly contending for a flag. They're not looking to develop youngsters, so they're pretty happy to just sit on them and, and just wait and they can wait their turn. Yeah, my rookie is um, Francis Evans. So he was plucked out of the VAFA um, in 2019. Uh, he was talked up as an early debut chance last season, but obviously without the VFL, didn't get a chance to push his case, much like most other rookies that didn't get a chance last season. Um, but... He kicked multiple goals in the reserves practice match for Geelong, so the game after the first choice game. Um, played as a half forward, played deep, played a bit of midfield time. 123k forward, and from his draft notes, they've got natural goal kickers, skillful, very athletic. So we don't know what that means for in terms of who he potentially pushes out or keeps out of the side, but he's probably the best chance outside of Sam DeConning to debut early in the season, if not round one. I think it's probably just a given that Geelong aren't going to play many rookies this year, unfortunately. It's not good for Supercoach. Oh, we say that every year, but then we get people like uh, Charlie Constable and Brad Close and all that. So Yeah, but what happened to Charlie I've... Constable, though? He's played like, what, eight games in his career? I love him. I reckon he's a great player and I would love him at the Hawks, but... Just can't get a game. Yeah, and, and he, I think he was shopped around at the end of last season as well, briefly. Anyway. We'll move on. Who is your trap? I think we have the same trap again. Uh, Brennan Parfit, I think he's just going to play a high half-forward role, I think, with the additions of of a couple of veteran midfielders like your Higgins and your Isaac Smith. That midfield position is probably pretty dry unless Dangerfield plays a lot in the forward line. Um, as a result, I don't think he's going to get enough minutes there to really score well. So an improvement on his average of 84.7 last year is probably pretty hard to, to achieve. Um, so yeah, he's the one I wouldn't be selecting, even though I, I do like him as a player. Oh yeah, I think he's a great player, but in terms of super coach, he's not suited to the format based on how he plays. He can sometimes tease you with a good start or a purple patch in the middle of the season and you want to jump on, but he usually sticks around that 80 to 85 average lately and I think that's where he's going to stay. So he's just going to be one of those teasers that looks like they're going to break out almost every year but doesn't quite get there. And who's your past demo? Sean Higgins, too old, won't play midfield time. Yep, fair. Yeah. As you, I think you said off air that if he was play, still at North Melbourne, he'd probably be a lock. 
Yeah, if he was still at North Melbourne, I'd probably pick him um, because he has had the tendency to get off to really good starts. And I, I think it was 2019 where he got to the bye, averaging 112 or something along those lines. Not a bad start. It's pretty good. Uh, my pass is Isaac Smith. Um, probably going to sit on a wing opposite Sam Managola. He's never been a prolific super coach scorer and he's just an all-around terrible bloke for, for leaving the family club. So, yeah, I don't want to hear his name ever again. Thank you very much. I won't mention it. It's been a short one, but the Cats seem pretty settled in terms of the Supercoach landscape. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, everyone is sort of expecting the same thing. It's pick Dangerfield when he's healthy and and that's about it, apart from maybe Tom Stewart up in the back line. Um, But apart from that, there really isn't many Supercoach-friendly options. 100%. Thank you so much for joining me today, Foz. No worries. Thanks for having me. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. See you soon, mate.